0: One of the great joys of being in Italy is to see up close the great art and architecture from ages past, and that includes the Renaissance, which gave birth to so many masterpieces of Western civilization. During the Renaissance, Europe was home to less than 100 million people, and it was truly a small world when it comes to the big shots of history. Joining me right now is Jean Openshaw. Jean's the co-author of my book, Europe 101, History and Art for the Traveler. Let's take a look at the important figures whose lives overlapped 500 years ago. Put them all together, and it's almost like holding a reunion for the class of 1500. Imagine if Michelangelo, Leonardo, and Henry VIII all went to the same high school. Gene, think about it. All these guys, it's like we're cultural superstars. They're living at about the same time, and and that all related to the Renaissance. A
1: single Renaissance generation, more or less, all of them living around the year
0: 1500. You might even call it the class of 1500. (laughs) I can just picture it. Yeah, the the yearbook there is Leonardo. Leonardo, cut your hair, you know? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So now, what is the Renaissance?
1: Well, we all think of the Renaissance as just art. Michelangelo's David, Mona Lisa, and so on. Um but it was more than art and it was happening all over Europe. In politics, you're talking about the formation of nation states. In religion, they're questioning church authority would become the Reformation. That's right, the Reformation was the same time as Michelangelo and Leonardo. And in science, you have the empirical method, new inventions.
0: Now Florence was the epicenter of it all.
1: Think of Michelangelo's David. You're right at the, the Duomo, the big red dome in Florence, right behind that Duomo was Michelangelo's studio. And he's chiseling away on David, which really was the symbol of the Renaissance. Everything started in Florence in the 1400s and then spread through Europe in the 1500s. Okay, so,
0: so around 1500, let's just say that's the, the general pinnacle of all this action. In the same time in London, you got Henry VIII and all the, all the changes that Henry VIII was bringing in England. And Henry VIII was considered, you know, we think of his, this
1: guy as an old, fat, pus-ridden, paranoid old man But in the early 1500s, he was the perfect Renaissance man. He was young, he was athletic,
0: charismatic, scholarly. Everybody loved him. He wrote music. So there was this positive spirit, this humanism, this energy. And at the same time, you've got this demand for control and information welling up from the people. Martin Luther uh, and the Reformation translating the Bible so people could read it in their own language that was happening in the same generation.
1: Exactly. Martin Luther was... You know, at the time in the early
0: 1500s, Martin Luther would have been in Erfurt in Germany. You know Erfurt. You, yeah. you oh, love Erfurt. I love the place. You've got all this, this thought of this little German monastery town standing up against the Roman Catholic Church. And eventually he would go on and pound his the nails in the Wittenberg church door and stand up to the Pope in Rome. And at the same time, Columbus's Well, all these guys, Magellan, Columbus, and so on, Vasco da Gama, same generation... Figuring out that there's more to the world than Europe. The age of discovery. People bringing in new plants, new animals, new customs. Now, all of these things were happening at the same generation. Was there an awareness? Did these guys, how did they connect with each other? Some of them knew each other or corresponded. But
1: they were all connected. You know, they they talk about six degrees of separation. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you could have a six degrees of separation that connects... Connect me, like, uh, let's go from Michelangelo. From Michelangelo to Martin Luther. Michelangelo to Martin Luther. They never met, but uh, follow me here. Okay, so Michelangelo knew Leonardo da Vinci. Uh They both were Florentines. They competed in a painting contest. Leonardo was a musician. He played in parties for none other than Lorenzo the Magnificent, the ruler of Florence. Uh-huh. And Lorenzo, his son was a pope. So Lorenzo's son grew up to be Pope <laughs> Leo X. And Leo X had to deal with radicals like Martin Luther. So there you got a connection right there.
0: But there's more. You know, Leo X dealt with Martin Luther. He also dealt with the Florentine Niccolò Machiavelli. Okay, so you are talking about how this was an age of more than just art. You have, like, Machiavellian politics, the ends justify the means, all this hardball stuff. And I know Henry VIII, from the same time, he was a fan of Machiavelli. He did. M- Henry VIII considered
1: himself a scholar. He liked Machiavelli. He also was into religion. Henry VIII actually wrote a treatise condemning the heresies of Martin Luther. <laughs> and Martin Luther was friends with artists like the painter Albrecht Dürer. And Dürer, his works were admired by Pope Leo X, the very man who had grown up with Michelangelo, who had corresponded with Henry VIII, and who (laughs) excommunicated... Martin Luther. Martin Luther.
0: God, there's like 80 million people in Europe back then in the year 1500. But it was a small world. Oh, man. It's always good to remember that a little art and a little history can add a whole dimension to our travels. Thanks a lot, Gene. Thank you.
1: Rick Steves has spent a third of his adult life in Europe researching and writing guidebooks. His classic, Europe Through the Back Door, teaches the skills of smart travel. Along those same lines, Europe 101, History and Art for the Traveler, is a must-read for anyone who appreciates Europe's rich history and great art. To learn more about
0: Rick's books, visit the Travel Store at ricksteves.com.